What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future opportunities. They partner with local industries and employers, ensuring their programs align to the needs of the community's workforce. Lake Michigan College can help you get to the future you want. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The 20-year millage renewal request for Lake Michigan College will appear on the August ballot instead of the May ballot. Spokesperson Jennifer Shoemaker tells us the LMC Board of Trustees voted this morning to postpone the vote so a problem with the ballot language could be fixed. Due to an error, the original ballot language could be read to mean the college was seeking the renewal for 21 years and not 20. Shoemaker says the board didn't want any confusion about its intent. Basically, you could say there was a typo, and we didn't realize that until Friday. And the board just felt like, well, it really is just a typo, and it was a completely honest mistake. We didn't want anybody to think that there was anything nefarious or anything behind that, and there absolutely isn't, wasn't. The language to appear on the August ballot is exactly the same, only with a correction to the timeline. Shoemaker says the millage is about 30% of LMC's operating budget. We think we're a very important part of the community. We work with local employers, students. We have the Mendel Center with lots of cultural events, and we want to continue being able to provide all those services to the community. Shoemaker says the college apologizes for the initial mistake, adding it's grateful for the broad community support the millage renewal has been getting. LMC's millage renewal proposal is for 0.8804 of a mill. The Michigan Public Service Commission has taken hundreds of complaints regarding power outages over the past two weeks. Commission Chair Dan Scripps tells us he understands the frustration of thousands of DTE energy and consumers energy customers because the electrical grid hasn't been performing as it should. There have been a number of efforts over the last several years to try and improve. I think there are places where we have made some improvements, but the events of the last two weeks really underscore how much more work there is to do. But but the, clearly the system isn't performing at the level that people expect and deserve. Scripps says the MPSC has been working to implement changes to how credits are given to customers. He says instead of having homeowners apply, he wants to make the system automatically give the credits. Michigan lawmakers are debating legislation aimed at putting a stop to gun violence, like the deadly shooting at Michigan State University that left three students dead and sent others to the hospital. One of the bills, sponsored by State Senator Mallory McMurrow, would allow the court to issue an extreme protection order to take possession of a firearm if it's determined an individual is at risk of harming themselves or others. It's important that in these moments when we all feel this sense of pain, we recognize that this pain is inflicted on people all over our state every single day in ways that do not make headlines. Six out of every 10 gun deaths in the United States are suicides. And of those who attempt suicide by firearm, 90% are successful versus only 4% of those who attempt suicide via any other method. Senator McMorrow's bill is part of a broader 11-bill gun violence prevention package to encourage gun safety and help prevent deadly shootings. The legislation also requires universal background checks to close the private sale loophole and create secure storage laws to keep legal firearms out of the hands of children and teens. Staff at the Berrien County Juvenile Center will be getting raises. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners last week approved an agreement with the union that includes the 27 members of the center staff. 
The agreement calls for wage increases of 10 to 18 percent in the first year, depending on the employee, and then 2 percent the following two years. The deal also includes better holiday pay. It's hoped that the deal will help the county maintain its current juvenile center staff, which has been stretched thin. An effort to spruce up the Bridgman Courtyard has led to a new crowdfunding campaign. The Greater Bridgman Area Chamber and Growth Alliance's Tara Heiser tells us the courtyard, located on Lake Street next to Rochford's, was started during the COVID pandemic to give people a way to mingle safely. It's an outdoor space with some seating and tables where a summer concert series has been held. The plan is to add a wooden structure with bistro lights, a new electrical source, do concrete, and a mural painted by local high school art students. Heiser says the new and improved courtyard will be a benefit to the community. It's so important to bring the community together and give people a place to enjoy their community, their neighbors. It really drives a lot of economic development in the area, but it also helps from a cultural standpoint. We can bring in music and art. The crowdfunding campaign is seeking $50,000 to be matched by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. The deadline for the chamber to raise the funds is April 10th. We have a link to the campaign at our website. Have you ever heard of Lake Baroda? Berrien County Drain Commissioner Christopher Quatrin tells us he's heard for years there was once a lake where the village of Baroda is now located, although he always just thought it was folklore. However, as he told county commissioners last week, some research he's done suggests there was in fact a Lake Baroda. He and his drain maintenance supervisor started reviewing soil in the area and old maps to find out. We're saying, yeah, we have indications out there. Well, you could say empirical data that would say, hey, there's a water here. So Dean started doing some, find, you know, looking through small books, and he found some old maps. And it did indeed verify that there was a Lake Broden. Quatrin says Lake Baroda would have been a very long and shallow lake with several branches. What we're surmising from this overlay of the map is that this lake was drained. We believe probably in the 1800s sometime, could be early to the mid-1800s, when the state started being settled, the farmers came up. A review of archaeological maps also suggests the lake was there. Plus, Quatrin says the layout of the county's drainage system fits with the idea of there once being a lake in the center of the county that was drained. He's doing research to learn more. Quatrin tells us if Lake Baroda was still there today, there'd be no Baroda because the area would be underwater. And a new Benton Harbor startup dedicated to promoting the therapeutic benefits of nature has gotten a big boost. Nature Therapy of Michigan last week won the $10,000 top prize at the West Michigan Women Up and Pitch Competition. Owner Karen Joy Bowman is a certified forest therapy guide and takes clients on guided walks that help people relax and restore mind, body, and soul through a connection with nature. She tells us the prize money is a boost to her uh, budding business. This is huge because it allows me to put the resources into the website, which I need to finish building out. And then I'll also be able to hopefully hire somebody to support customer service so that I can add more sessions. The whole goal of winning the grand prize was so that I could add additional sessions so I can support more clients. Karen says she was helped by the Women's Business Center at Cornerstone Alliance, as well as Connexus and others with her pitch. To read more about nature therapy, check out our story at WSJM.com. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. Following the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, Norfolk Southern, the company at the center of the incident, has announced new plans to enhance the safety of its operations. 
ABC's Ike Giochi has more from Washington. Norfolk Southern is calling it a six-point safety plan, and it's based on the preliminary findings of the National Transportation Safety Board following the East Palestine, Ohio derailment. The company plans to immediately begin enhancing their hot-bearing detector network, sensors that can flag rapidly rising temperatures of wheel bearings on trains, a factor the NTSB said played a part in the derailment. Norfolk Southern says they plan to add about 200 hot bearing detectors to its network of nearly 1,000 along its system. Ike Ajachi, ABC News, Washington. Cartoonists are pushing back against racist remarks made by Dilbert creator Scott Adams, with one artist even using his own strip this week to lampoon the disgraced cartoon. Pulitzer Prize winner Darren Bell has transformed his strip, Candorville, into a way to address the racism by mimicking the style of Dilbert. It was complete with a wayward necktie. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to travel across the country this week as prominent Republicans continue to anticipate his 2024 presidential run announcement. ABC's Jonathan Carl has more on DeSantis's master plan. DeSantis's view of the Republican field right now and the Republican primary electorate is that what he has done in Florida, he could do elsewhere, and that's the appeal. That's why he continues to talk mostly conservative news outlets, uh, very friendly forums. He has avoided so far any kind of direct engagement with the press. Uh, he's also tried to, to not respond to most of the jabs that, that, uh, that Donald Trump uh, has been throwing his way. It's always been a little bit veiled. The FBI and Mexican officials say four U.S. citizens were kidnapped by gunmen after crossing into Mexico. The Mexican president said today the four were going to buy medicine and were caught in the crossfire between two armed groups. They had entered the country across from Brownsville, Texas on Friday. They were traveling in a white minivan with North Carolina license plates. The FBI says the vehicle came under fire shortly after it entered Mexico. The U.S. ambassador to Mexico said they were kidnapped at gunpoint and an innocent Mexican citizen was killed. The area is the home to warring factions of the Gulf drug cartel. There have been dozens of arrests in Atlanta after a protest that turned violent. More from Derek Dennis. Bricks, fireworks, and Molotov cocktails thrown at officers. Equipment and other items damaged at a construction site for a new police training center in the city. Police Chief Darren Shirebaum says it happened under the guise of a protest that turned out to be an attack. Very violent attack. This wasn't about a public safety training center. This was about anarchy. Of the dozens arrested, 23 are facing domestic terrorism charges. Most are from out of town, part of the Defend the Atlanta Forest Movement, a mostly environmental environmentalist group trying to save a wooded area where the training center is being built. They're also described as anti-police. More protests are planned in the coming days. Derek Dennis, ABC News. A Republican lawmaker in Florida wants bloggers who write about elected officials to register with the state. The bill filed by Senator Jason Brodor would require bloggers to file periodic reports with the state if they're paid for posts about the state's governor, lieutenant governor, cabinet members, or legislative officials. The proposal was filed last week, but has already begun to draw criticism from First Amendment groups who argue it violates the First Amendment. It's unclear how far the proposal will go in the GOP-controlled state house during the upcoming legislative session, which begins on Tuesday. The head of Washington, D.C.'s council is withdrawing a contentious crime bill that many congressional Republicans had attacked as soft. The move comes as President Biden said he would not veto GOP efforts to repeal the bill, a move some Democrats are supporting. Maybe sees Justin Finch has details. In a letter to Vice President Kamala Harris, Washington, D.C. Council Chairman Phil Mendelson says he's withdrawing D.C.'s crime bill from congressional consideration, noting that the Senate has not yet acted and that law requires the council to transmit legislation to both chambers for consideration. Meantime, Mendelson says the D.C. Council will make changes to the bill in light of Congressman 
members' comments, some of whom have criticized the bill, saying it softens criminal penalties for violent crimes like carjackings. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. And the wife of Bruce Willis has a message for the paparazzi as the star is battling dementia. She says they should back off. More from ABC's Jason Nathanson. Paparazzi are apparently trying to grab pictures and video of Bruce Willis following the reveal last month that he has frontotemporal dementia. Keep your space. Willis's wife, Emma Hemming, posting a video asking the paparazzi not to crowd around her husband. Allow for our family or whoever's with him that day to be able to get him from point A to point B safely. And also, please don't be yelling at my husband, asking him how he's doing or whatever, the woohooing and the yippee kayes. Just don't do it. Okay. She says a lot of people still need to be educated on how to deal with someone who has dementia. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.